practice, that is my time. That's the time where I can do my corrections. I can do my, you know, uh, I can be a little bit harder on the players and, and point out some mistakes and, and, and then maybe bring everyone in and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for in this certain situation. In a game, I want them to play. I, I, I didn't like it as a, as a player for a coach to be barking at me the entire time. Right. So for me, I don't want to bark at my players and say, hey, do this, do that, do this, do that. I want them to go out and play. Hi, everyone. It's Brad Burton, author and creator of the Revolution Hockey Series and host of the Revolution Hockey Series Perspective Hockey Talk. Welcome to episode number 10. Today, my guest is the 2002 Stanley Cup champion, Jason Williams. Jason is from London, Ontario and still resides in the area and is heavily involved in the game of hockey still. Following his tremendous playing career, he began his venture into training and coaching. He runs PhD Hockey Essentials and will be leading the Strathroy Rockets Junior B Hockey Club this upcoming year after recently being named their head coach for the upcoming season. His prior two seasons were spent coaching the Elgin Middlesex Chiefs 04 triple-a hockey team this team was one of the best teams in ontario and were well represented in the past ohl midget draft taught by forward hunter hyatt being drafted ninth overall to the barry colts my conversation with jason was amazing and he was very generous with his time that i have been able to break the interview into two parts in part one we talk heavily about his coaching it is so remarkable to hear the way he takes on the task of teaching and training because he has done it all in hockey as a player and brings so much to the game. In the next episode, we dive into his playing career. So, without further delay, my guest for today, Jason Williams. All right, I'm here with Jason Williams. Uh, and Jason, it's a pleasure to have you come on tonight and talk to me. Yeah, no problem. It's, uh, I got your uh, message there and I uh, thought I could uh, help you out and look forward to the interview. Great. Uh, so for those that don't know, Jason's background in hockey is uh, pretty phenomenal. Uh, spent time in the OHL with the Peterborough Peets, moved on to the Detroit Red Wings organization, uh, was a standout in the American Hockey League, got the call up for the O2 Detroit Red Wings, Cup run, uh, was a part of that team, and then his career, I think, lasted, I don't know, 14 or 15 years, is that correct, uh, Jason? Yeah, yeah, I think it was uh, 16 years professionally, um, I think 10 years in the NHL, 455 games, and like you said, a, a one-time Stanley Cup champion with uh, the Red Wings, and Got to learn from a lot of great players, a lot of uh, a lot of Hall of Famers. So um, had some really good coaches, and uh, uh, just very fortunate to you know be in the position that I was in and and be able to learn from a lot of great players. Yeah, I know. I I wanted to. I uh, I kind of messaged you with the intention of getting into your coaching right away and your skills camp that you run as well. But I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't resist the temptation of asking about the 2002 Stanley Cup championship off the start. Uh, I mean, it's your second year with the org with the Red Wings organization. 
you, you're continuing to excel in the American Hockey League. You get called up for 25 games um, in the regular season of the 0102 year and then playing nine games in the playoffs as well. So uh, you want to just talk about what that year was like for you as a whole and then what uh, what can you really say of the experience of, of being around such a legendary group of, group of players and uh, with Scotty Bowman, which was his last time behind the bench? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of just going into that year with like, I remember um, in the summertime I was skating here in London and Jeff Hackett was uh, one of the goaltenders and uh, Andy McDonald and Brian Campbell were, we were all kind of just, you know, just kind of scratching the surface and trying to get our uh, feet wet in the NHL. And um, Detroit goes out and, and signs Dominic Hasek and Brad Hall and uh, Luke Robitaille. And I was like, well, geez, there, there, there goes my chance. There's no chance I'm making that team. Um, but I just, I just wanted to continue to, to build off the year that I had the, the previous year. Um, like you said, I had a, a pretty uh, good year in the American Hockey League. Um, had a, a small little stint. Uh, I think it was five games in the regular season. Then I played a couple games in the playoffs uh, against L.A. Uh, the year before, so 2001. Right. And, um, you know, I just wanted to come to the training camp and, and just kind of just play the best I could and, and, you know, try to make some kind of decisions if they had to make any decisions. Yeah. hard on themselves and uh uh but I, I had a, a good feeling that I'd probably be back in the minors and you know and I was fine with that and I was ready for that and uh went down to the minors and you know continued to to learn the game learn the pro game it's 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 a big jump going from you know the OHL to uh professional hockey uh it's not uh it's not easy for sure and um you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough jump and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was good to get that experience. I think in the, in the first year with a, a couple of games, uh, playing, like, I think it was five games, like I said, and then, you know, going into the following year, um, it was nice just, uh, just to know that I could, you know, compete and play and stuff. And, uh, I think it was around, Christmas time or just after the Olympics is when I got called up and uh, Detroit was so far ahead in uh, the league for points that um, they wanted to rest a lot of the veterans and, and make sure that they were prepared and ready for uh, the playoff run and, and we knew we were while well, we were hoping it was going to be a long one so I got called up right after the Olympics and uh, played pretty much every game after that and um, you know, uh, I think in the 25 games I had, you know, 10 points or something like that. It was like eight goals and a couple assists. And uh, the decisions, like they were, they were humming and hawing and trying to figure out uh, what the starting lineup would look like for uh, game one against Vancouver. And uh, I found myself in the lineup that day was uh, pretty crazy because I was called probably three or four different times at the hotel. Uh, saying that I was in the lineup, then I was out of the lineup, then I was oh. in the lineup, and then I was out of the lineup. So um, I finally got the phone call and says, no, just come to the rink. Uh, we think you're in. So um ended up going to the rink, and obviously I, I, I got to play. And 
but that uh, that year for sure and that playoff run was something that I'll I'll never forget. Uh, being able to learn from you know the players that we had, you know the names that I listed that we signed yeah. in the off season, and you know we had uh, Sergey Fedorov, Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman, Nick Lindstrom, Chris Chelios, like the list goes on. Yeah. Um, Chris Draper was one of those guys that I really looked up to a lot. Uh, he was one of the core guys that, you know, just really worked hard and understood that, uh, understood his role and uh, was very good at it. Um, you know, wasn't a guy that was going to score a bunch of points, but came to the rink every day uh, trying to get better. And, um, you know, he was, even though we had a ton of Hall of Famers and a, a lot of guys to learn from and guys that had scored 700 goals, he was also one of the guys that um, I really looked up to and, and tried to, you know, just kind of follow what he did on an everyday basis. Like he just yeah. did everything the right way. So uh, just a lot of good players to learn from. And, um, you know, I just was just trying to be like a sponge every time I went to the rink and, and just basically learn as much as I could and try to add some little pieces to my game. Yeah. I love, like, obviously, like you said there, there's so many big names on that team. Um, but you're touching on Chris Draper is, is such a such a great thing to hear because um, from being able to watch him, um, and I, I, I really gravitated to a player that played like him myself and really uh, tried to bring a, a strong defensive game. So it's nice to nice to hear that other people really take recognition to players that play a complete game like that and maybe fly under the radar a bit obviously the players in the in the room and around the league know how valuable those guys are but I think sometimes a fan base or the people that don't really pay too much attention to other than maybe the statistics don't really cherish a player with that much value um so like I said I I, I really do want to get back into your playing career but uh, I'd love to get into your coaching almost here right now. Um, when I touched base with you, I, I said uh, for the, for my uh, book that I wrote, Making the Cut, I have the coach that comes in as a former pro hockey player. He's coming back and getting into coaching for the first time. Um, and I thought, you know what, Jason's resume where he goes back and is now coaching with Alga Middlesex and that uh, and moving into the junior B role um how fitting that was to be able to talk to you and maybe get into what your inspiration was to get into coaching and was this something that you knew that you wanted to get into um from an earlier age or just as your career progressed yeah no I I just kind of um once my career kind of came to an end uh, I, I kind of just looked at some of the things that I'd be interested in doing. Um, and I, I, I figured I'm going to have to stay into hockey because, you know, I don't really know much about anything else, yeah. uh, you know, playing professionally for, you know, 16 years, you know, I just lived and breathed it every single day. And I, and I still have the passion for the game of hockey. Like I still love going out on the ice and, uh, you know, helping young kids out and, uh, whether that's like doing skill development or like you said, like if I'm, if I'm coaching, um, you know, I just enjoy the game. I enjoy being a student of the game. I enjoy learning new things. Um, I know for sure that, 
you know, I don't know everything and uh, it's a, it's a learning process and um, doing this stuff through hockey Canada with uh, the high performance coaching. It was a, that was a really, really kind of tough course in a way where it's a lot of time. Um, were they telling me stuff I didn't already know? Not really, but it was time consuming. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, learning the, how to handle people and handle kids uh, differently, you know, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing coaching wise is, is trying to get your team and get, you know, whether it's 17, 18 or 23 players, whatever it is, yeah. getting those, those players to buy in. And I, I didn't understand it as a player on how much time consuming uh, coaching is and how much video you do. But um, I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy, you know, like I said, the, the skill development part of it. And I enjoy the, the coaching aspect of it. Uh, I think that's kind of why I've kind of dabbled into to both. Um, and then the last couple of years coaching with the Chiefs, um, I, I had a really, really good group of kids. Uh, 2004, uh, had them with their major bantam and minor midget. And uh, just a really good group of kids. And uh, to see them have success, to win back-to-back -back Alliance championships, um, you know, it was just a, an unbelievable uh, kind of roller coaster ride. But, you know, it was kind of fell short with not being able to do the OHL Cup. I know a lot of the kids, um, you know, they, they dream about doing that OHL Cup. And it was unfortunate due to COVID that uh, we weren't able to participate in that. But I think overall, the kids really, really enjoyed the two seasons that they had. And, um, you know, I think they'll always remember that, uh, you know, they, especially their minor midget year going undefeated in regular season and, um, you know, having a good playoff run. and. It, they'll, they'll, they'll remember that for the rest of their life because I, I, I sure remember my major Bantam year when, when I played double A. Uh, I played on a team that was very good and we won a lot of hockey tournaments and won the championship and whatever if it was the alliance at the time. I don't think it was. It was, it was a while back. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you always remember the championship teams that you have. And, um, you know, it's uh, the coaching part of it is, is like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun and it, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it, but uh, getting into it, it's, it's been great so far. I've had a great experience and, you know, I'm just trying to kind of move my way up a little bit into the higher ranks and, and see how far I can take it. Whether I want to go to the NHL, I don't know. It's, I've got a young family and um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to move them around like I did when I played, yeah. you know, I, I, when I played, I, I was, on like a one-year deal it seemed like every single year so I never knew where the next spot was going to be and uh that security is just it's tough sometimes and you know not knowing where you're gonna go or yeah. if you're gonna have another job and things like that and coaches kind of similar where you know three to five years you're probably looking to be you know someone's gonna come in and and take over the team and not many coaches get to coach uh, uh, the same team anyways for, for longer than five or six years. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but uh, I would like to try to uh, make it to the junior level. Uh, you know, junior B is uh, the first step and then maybe going to, to 
uh, OHL or junior A, something like that would be, uh, you know, something I'd be interested in as an, maybe an assistant coach for a year or two, and then maybe eventually taking that over. Uh, you know, if something like that were to come up, I, I think I would uh, definitely grasp it and, and uh, run with it if it was the right opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just to backtrack there with that Elder Middlesex Chief, Chiefs team that was so strong, um, you had like Hunter Hyatt ninth overall this year in the OHL draft. Uh, Vince Steensel, Stonehouse, Bacia, they all go early. And then a bunch of others that were taken later on in the draft. Uh, what what can you say of the, the tremendous talent that your players specifically have or had? Um, and and just the the where the skill level is at that age. Yeah, the skill level is 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 just increasing each year. It's it's tremendous to see uh, what they can do. Um, but the biggest thing is a lot of these kids, and hopefully some of these kids that watch this podcast will listen in. And and you have to watch the game you would be very surprised at how many kids don't watch the game of hockey. And I'm not saying you have to watch the uh, entire game, but to sit down and, and really watch a period or two, you know, maybe 10 minutes, whatever it is, watch the game. Uh, it's, it's basically free education. You know, you're, you're, you're learning the game and understanding where players need to be, how the game's played, uh, and I think a lot of kids take it a little bit for granted that they really love watching the skill stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, they get on YouTube and they watch all the skill stuff and all the highlight stuff. Well, that only happens ever so often. And it's great to have that skill. But if you can't put that skill into a game situation, then, then what good are you, right? So yeah. you need to be able to understand where you need to be uh where the puck is going and like i said watching the game is 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 going to help you uh understand those little aspects of the game and but uh you know the the skill level that the kids have were were really really good they're high level uh skill but again just the the simple things and understanding you know a little bit of system stuff you know, you, you don't try to overwhelm them with a lot of systems. You let their skill kind of take over. And, but, um, you know, giving them a little bit of a structure, I think, uh, really helped them out. And uh, they really bought in. Like the, the, the kids, I can't say enough of them. And, I, you know, a lot of people have, you know, some bad stories about minor hockey and the parents and things like that. But the parent group was, was excellent. Uh, they, they – they were bought in, the kids were bought in, and then it just made it a much easier for myself and the coaching staff. Like I had my brother help out and uh, Danny Surrett helped out uh, last year. So having him back there to help my D was, yeah. was really good. You know, having him, he understands the game very well. You know, a lot of the kids under like knew who he was because of him playing in London yeah. and winning a Memorial Cup and things like that. So, um, you know, to be able to have the staff that I did uh, really, really helped out in, I think, the kids' development. And uh, hopefully, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how some of these guys 
you know, move forward in their, in their playing careers. And I know some guys will play in the OHL next year and some guys will, you know, maybe take a little bit longer or maybe yeah. go on and play college hockey somewhere. But uh, I think just kind of looking forward to seeing how some of these kids uh, progress and, you know, uh, hopefully I can talk to them 10, 15 years from now and, and they can say, oh, that, you know, that they remembered having a really good experience in their major bantam and minor midget year. Yeah. I know uh, with the group that I coached back in 2010, 11, they were a, a 96 group uh, major bantam here in Sarnia. And like over the years, being able to follow them and, and to touch base and now see them around around town is just it's always a, a great time to be able to watch their progress and see what they uh can amount to um i love that you talked about watching the game um is that something that you guys do with a video uh with alga middlesex and is is that something that with uh phd hockey essentials you get into a lot a lot of that off ice stuff with the people that you're working with as well um with uh with the elgin uh yes we did video at least once sometimes twice a week um you know we had uh we used a huddle program uh that basically i was able to send clips to kids uh kind of have almost like a conversation on you know hey what did you see here um and get them to explain to me yeah. what they saw I think that really kind of helps out too. And it's not just me saying, okay, hey, you got to do this here, you got to do this here. I want to know what they see and what yeah. they feel is right. Just because then it helps me as a coach understand their mindset and what they're thinking. Um, so yeah, we did we did quite a bit of video the, the, the both years. Um, like I said, once or twice a week. And um, the kids, they really enjoy seeing themselves, I think on the television or on the video. Sometimes uh, it was pointing out some of their mistakes, but, uh, you know, that's part of it. And, you know, I just made it always clear that, you know, we were all trying to help each other get better. And it was never to pick on anyone. Um, and, you know, I felt that a lot of times that I would try to, especially with players that maybe didn't get recognized uh, on the game sheet as much, but those role players, you know, kind of showing – video clips of them doing something very good and very beneficial that, you know, getting in on a four check or having a good stick, uh, you know, being above their center, whatever it was, um, those little things maybe didn't get put on the game sheet, but they led to other things and positive things that, uh, and I think that, like I say, like a lot of the kids, they really enjoyed, you know, seeing the video, you know, you, you got to make sure that, uh, especially with this, this uh, generation, you can't run the videos very long. It's, they want as much information as possible in the least amount of time. So yeah. if you can keep your video sessions to five to seven minutes tops, like that's, that's perfect. And, yeah. um, you know, like I said, so sometimes, you know, we'd be able to show some video and then I would be able to maybe send some videos to kids uh, a little bit here and there just to kind of see what their their mindset was and what they were thinking on certain plays. And then uh, with PhD, um, I've done a few things with PhD uh, with like some kids that have played uh, junior B hockey 
and have tried to, uh, they want to increase their hockey IQ a little bit. So uh, they were, you know, we could go over, they would come, you know, just kind of sit with me and we would go on our computer and, and just kind of go over the shifts that they had at the junior B level. And, you know, I would say, you know, hey, what were you thinking here? And what is, what is your coach telling you to do here? Um, and just try to help out a little bit with their IQ. But I don't do a whole lot of that as, as much as the on-ice stuff. Um, but I, would, I, I do kind of offer it. I don't really kind of, you know, like, I think that doing a video for like a minor Adam or major Adam or peewee kid, that's probably, you know, overkill. Um, I think that uh, as the kids get a little bit older, you can kind of go over that. Uh, with their video of some of their shifts and stuff like that. And they'll kind of, you know, kind of see what they're doing well, what they need to improve on, things like that. So I think at the older age groups, you can kind of kind of jump into the video and get a little bit more detailed in, in, in their game. Yeah. So going forward, you're hired on to coach the Rockets, with, uh, which will provide slightly a different dynamic um, than how the middle sex what type of things do you look for when you're going to be assessing the players? Uh, just from a quick look, uh, I think you have two players that moved on that were 99s, and then like a, quite a number of players will be returning, and then obviously pieces that you can add into that. Um, but being a new coach to the team, is there going to be uh, certain things you're going to look for in those players and how you're going to assess them? Um, I think – when when you're looking at a team and and uh, you're looking at individual skills set, uh, the biggest thing is just kind of the compete level. Um, if you're competing for pucks, um, I can deal with mistakes. I know the game is made of mistakes. Uh, players are going to make mistakes. Coaches are going to make mistakes. Um, it's about how you deal with them, and it's about how you move forward for, with those that, uh, and, and trying to get better. Um, so, you know, in evaluating the players, uh, for the, for the Rockets, when we do eventually have a training camp and, and things like that, I'm going to look at guys that are going to compete and guys that are going to buy in. Um, you know, it doesn't matter to me if you're 19, if you're 16, if you're going to compete and you're going to play hard, then I'm going to use you. And, you know, that's kind of how it is. And, you know, if you want to move up in the levels of hockey, you have to understand that, you know, not just in hockey, it, it, you're always judged on your performance. Uh, whether you're, it's at work, uh, on the ice, no matter what it is, you're always kind of judged on your performance and how you prepare and things like that. So. I think just the little details, the compete level, um, and playing the game hard. You know, I know, like I said, they're going to make mistakes. I can, I can help correct those mistakes, I think, and my staff will help correct that. But uh, that compete level, that will to want to, to wanna win um, is, is kind of big for me and, and playing a 200-foot game. It's, uh, it's something that a lot of probably coaches and and players talk about, but it's, it's hard to do. It's, it's not easy. And, um, you know, if, if players show that they can back check hard and compete on pucks hard, 
then, you know, those are the players that are probably stand out in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, and the, co- the competing factor just on with Topher Scott the other uh, last week. And uh, that was one of the three things that he uh, pointed out and something that he said, like, you might have an off night, but your competitive level is something you can always control. And it's going to be something that uh, you can take away from, from watching that player. So obviously that's a big thing for, young players to remember that it's not always going to work in your favor to pop your legs whatever the case may be but if you're showing that you're trying out there you're not just going to get written off um kind of touch on where you talked about the mistakes and stuff in hockey um as a as a younger player um and i think it's tougher for them to kind of control their emotions um and i think when a player makes a mistake the bench other players on that team can really ride that emotion and and in a negative way is there a way from behind the bench where you can um kind of instill that confidence that it's just one play will overcome whatever that may be without letting that have a complete impact on the overall game yeah, I think it, it, every player is different in the way they handle, um, you know, criticism. And I think with this generation, you have to be careful uh, on on how you talk to some of the kids because uh, some of them will take it to heart and think that you don't like them. And it's not that you don't like them. It's just that, you know, they've made a mistake and you're trying to correct it and you're trying to get them better. So you have to be careful, I think, as a coach, too, is uh, not to overreact um, on, on whatever situation it is and, and blow up. Because as soon as you blow up and as soon as you react and you have that negative energy, well, that goes through the bench and other kids pick it up. Uh, I think that you have to have some kind of positivity and, you know, they come back to the bench, you know, depending on who it is, you may have to you know, pull them aside and, and kind of talk to them about whatever mistake that they might've made. Uh, there's some kids that you can kind of let them know in front of their peers that they made a mistake and they're going to be like, okay, I don't want him to do that again. So I'm going to make sure I, I correct that. Um, but I think it's just different for every individual. And that's part of coaching is, is learning what every individual needs to, uh, to, to, to get better. Um, and that's the hardest part of coaching is finding ways to, to, to make your players better and hold them accountable. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a big, big thing. Like you hear people talk about, you know, accountability, accountability, accountability. Well, you know, that usually the, the, you know, okay, say your, your top two lines, if you've got four lines on your team, your top two lines, they're going to have a little bit of a longer leash. Um, you know, your third and fourth liners, they're kind of on a short leash and any kind of turnovers at the blue lines, like they're, you know, sometimes they'll come back to bench and you're like on them right away. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, someone in your top two lines might make that same mistake and you're just like, okay, but nine times out of 10, that player will probably make that right play. And, and so that's why they have a little bit of a, a leeway with the, with the leash, I would say. 
But, um, you know, everybody's different. And I think just as a coach, for me, I look at it as practice. That is my time. That's the time where I can do my corrections. I can do my, you know, uh, I can be a little bit harder on the players and, and point out some mistakes and, and, and then maybe bring everyone in and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for in this certain situation. In a game, I want them to play. I, I, I didn't like it as a, as a player for a coach to be barking at me the entire time. Right. So for me, I don't want to bark at my players and say, hey, do this, do that, do this, do that. I want them to go out and play. And sometimes, like, they'll see the game a little bit different than what I see on the bench. And, you know, so if I see them make a mistake, I may just kind of ask them, hey, what would you see there? And so those are the little things that I try to do. Um, I try to hold my uh, emotions uh, while I'm on the bench so that the, the, the kids and the players, they understand that I'm in the game and I'm focused. And I'm not letting the little things bother me at all. If there's a mistake or a goal scored, okay, hey, you know what? Puck's going to drop again. Let's go out and let's, let's win the next shift. Let's get that momentum back. So trying to stay positive, finding positive ways to, uh, to get your team to, to buy in and to focus for the next shift, I think sometimes that helps out as well. Yeah. So going forward with uh, Strathroy this year, uh, the team's kind of been – probably in the bottom half of the Western Conference for the last number of years. I think last year they moved up from uh, the eighth seed from the previous few years to sixth seed. Um, and with a bunch of returning players like we already touched on, and then hopefully you can inject a bit more uh, into the lineup as well. What what would your expectations for that team um, this upcoming year be at this point in time, obviously? without having gone into training camp or anything like that? Yeah. Um, you know, expectations, it's, you just never know um, because you, you just never know what type of team you're going to have. Uh, injuries happen, suspensions, things like that. All those things come into an effect. Uh, obviously this year is very special with, you know, not even knowing when we're going to start yeah. all these little things. Um, so I've had a little conversations with some of the players and just kind of said, you know, Hey, make sure you're doing the things that is going to be, you know, that's going to help us as a team, help you as an individual, um, whether that's like, you know, doing your workouts, getting on the ice, a little extra, you know, doing some skill stuff, or, you know, whatever it is, like do these little things so that we're ready for when that, whenever that day comes, when that puck yeah. drops, that we're ready to go. Um, again, it's, it's go I'm going to probably lean on a lot of the leadership. Uh, like you say, we've got some returning players and I'm going to lean on that leadership to, to carry us and to provide the example for a lot of the younger guys and that leadership, if they get the, if they buy in and understand what I'm trying to preach uh, about, you know, just working hard, doing the little things right, then I know that we'll be successful. Um, but it, it's going to be tough. You know, you just can't show up to the rink and be like, okay, hey, guys, buy in, do what I tell you to do, and we'll have success. It doesn't work that way. You've got to earn it. So I'm going to do what I can to earn that trust from the players. 
And the biggest thing that I took from being a player, um, watching other coaches and things like that, was their preparation. You know, being prepared for practice. Why are we practicing and why are we doing certain things? Are we, prepa- are we preparing for the next team, like the, the team that we're going to play that week? I think those are the little things that, uh, that I always kind of notice with, with, uh, with the good coaches that I had was the way they prepared themselves. Yeah. Um, and if they show a good work ethic, then I feel that I have to work hard. And it starts from the top. And it starts with your, your ownership, your general manager, then the coaching staff, then the players. If they're all doing the little things right and preparing themselves for success, then you're going to have success. I played on teams that were unbelievable teams. And I played in organizations that were not so great organizations. And you see it like from day one. Like yeah. the, the way everything is prepared, the way things are bro- kind of broken down on the reason why teams have success is the teams that have success consistently all the time is they have good people around them and they have hardworking people and they do their job and they consistently do it each and every day. And as you, as you move up in the levels, it just gets harder and harder and harder. There's always someone there that wants to take yeah. your job. So I think that uh, if I can install some of these work habits and practice habits in the, in the players, especially the veteran guys, if they're practicing hard, they're doing the little things right, the younger guys are going to buy in and then they're going to be like, it's just going to be a snowball effect. And, and that's part of the thing that, you know, I want myself and my coaching staff to do is to really kind of be hard on the players with the little things, the little details of the game. You know, if we, if they understand why they're doing things and understand that they're doing things for a purpose, they're going to buy in, they're going to do it. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that we have a lot of success and hopefully we have a season and I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you touch on all the little things, uh, just creating the rituals or, the habits, strong habits um, that carry over into the games is just instinctual at that point. And um, going from year to year, like like uh, your experiences, I've experienced where you go in and you have minimal preparation and it's uh, really instinctive hockey out there. And then you don't always have success. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But when you go to a team that's prepared, sets their goals, everybody's on the same page and can kind of see what's expected of you. That's really where you see the, the formation of a strong team that uh, will do some damage if, uh, if they get all going in the same direction. Um, so I uh, look forward to, uh, to keeping an eye on how Strathroy does um, this upcoming year. And that wraps up part one with Jason Williams. Like I said in the intro, it was such a pleasure to listen to Jason talk about his coaching and his philosophy toward the game. When you have as much experience as he does, you've seen what works and what doesn't work. And it's great that he's able to bring his knowledge and apply it in a way to help the next generation of hockey players. I hope you enjoyed this segment and stay tuned for part two with Jason where we discuss his playing career to be uploaded within the next week. That concludes this episode. I'm Brad Burton signing off. 
for the Revolution Hockey Series Perspective Hockey Talk. Bye for now.